Welcome to 2016. Praise God. Are you ready? <laughs> I have a new tablet. Woohoo! I was robbed again. Yes. This time an armed robbery. Praise the Lord. God is good. <laughs> I'll share some of the stories as we go. <clears throat> but... Uh, yeah, we uh, just sort of feel still on missions. We came back from Brazil, had an awesome time in Rio de Janeiro. <laughs> Some of the team members. <clears throat> it was uh, absolutely life-changing. And uh, just revealed to me that there's just so much more that God wants to do and is going to do. So the mission for 2016, what is your mission? Do you have a mission? Do you have a plan? What is, what is the aim? What is the goal? What are we aiming at? I would summarize it in more of God and more of God in this world. That's my mission. And so I'm on year two. About a year ago, I felt the Lord say, give me a five-year plan for revival. So year one is finished. This is year two. It's vision 2019, 2020, trusting God for revival in East London. Amen. But I need your help. <laughs> so that's what I want to share about this morning, is about positioning ourselves so that, so that God can bring revival in us and then through us. You see, it's not a one-man show. It's not one person full of faith. It's a community of people sold out for Jesus. Amen. I promise you, Daniel fast is nothing compared to water. Try water only. That is a challenge. But uh, this is really a special season. First time we're putting aside 21 days to bring our hearts before God. And, and uh, yeah, so I want to encourage us in terms of this year to, to make one, one thing your goal. God, give me more faith. Give me more faith. Say faith. More faith. More faith. If you have more faith, you will have more of God. If you have more trust, if you trust more in Him, you will experience more of Him in your life. And so I'm, I'm praying, say, God, make us a community of faith. A people who are hungry and thirsty for more of God. You see, now if you read my book, you'll see on day one, it speaks about thirst. God is drawn to the thirsty and the thirsty are drawn to God. And, I, and, we, and honestly, even now in Brazil, the churches that we go to, the people who are hungry for God, God pitches. It's amazing. And I realize it's about the community. It's about the thirst. It's about the hunger. So this year, we need to break out of religious molds. Amen. We need to break out of the fear of man. Oh, is someone going to see? I'm going to raise my hand in church. Let them see. Raise your hand. Step out. Cast off the chains of, of religion, of dead religion, of being afraid what people are going to think or say. Only, only care about what Jesus says. That's all that matters. And I, I promise you, if you go, you go on a few trips like we've gone, you can't come back unchanged. It just absolutely rocks your world. It's like you come back and you say, who cares what people say? Our God is amazing. I mean, we had, we counted more than 250 people physically healed that we could test. 250 people. Some cases where you'd pray for people and the tumor in the neck would just disappear. Our God is amazing. 230 plus, just that we know of, there were so many things happening. In this time, because the tomb is empty, Jesus is alive. It's empty. Jesus is alive. And the only qualifying factor is, do you have faith? Do you believe? Do you believe? And then will you act and respond according to that faith? I was, uh, well, the question is, what is faith? I've been asked this question, what, what is faith? 
faith is to see with the eyes of your heart. Faith is to be more aware of the kingdom of heaven than your physical senses are aware of the earthly realm. And so we, uh, uh, before, we were in, in Rio, and uh, I saw this, this vision. God often speaks in visions and, and dreams. And I saw this vision. In this vision, I saw myself falling down a cliff. Just falling. I couldn't see the bottom, just black. I was falling and falling and falling. And at some stage, it was like my arms became wings. And I flew. And I believe that's a picture of faith. That's like, okay, God, I'm falling. Help me. Help me. God, I'm stepping out. I need you. And so I had this word there in, in Rio just about God. I, I felt the word wheelchair. I felt God was wanting the lame to walk. So I was just proclaiming every, we had five, five meetings at this one church. And I'm just proclaiming. I believe God wants to heal someone in a wheelchair. Bring them. Bring them. Where's the wheelchair? No wheelchair. No wheelchair. And so on the last night, there was a wheelchair man. Praise Jesus. And I've been declaring enough for a while. <clears throat> and amazing. That evening, this young man, I think he's 26, 27, around there, he was, was shot in his neck about nine months ago. Uh, quadriplegic. He, he couldn't even close his hands. And, uh, and that night he committed his life to Jesus. He surrendered his life to Jesus. Praise God. And so at the end of the, of the evening, we started to pray for this guy. And uh, it was amazing to, because uh, we prayed for quite a while. And so we're praying for him. And uh, there's a crowd of people now around us. The rest of the team are praying for other people. And some of the team are joining. And so we're praying and praying for this young man. And, uh, and we ask him, what are you feeling? What are you feeling? What are you experiencing? Because you see, he has no feeling from here down. No feeling in his stomach, legs, feet. No feeling. And he can't close his hands. And so we're praying for him and asking, what are you feeling? And he's saying, I'm feeling fire. I'm feeling fire over here and over here and over there. He's feeling fire. Fire representing the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus went away sending his Holy Spirit as fire and how he's present through his Holy Spirit. So he's experiencing this fire, fire, fire. So now I'm, now I'm like, okay, how are we going to do this? Now all I'm, I'm, I'm doubting. We prayed for about, what, 45 minutes, hour, I'm not sure. Now we're praying for him and I'm just thinking this isn't working. And all my mind just wants to go to, it's not working. It's not working. This is going to look stupid. This is going to look foolish. And all I was seeing is the whole time, I was just seeing this picture of me falling. And just this wings suddenly, just some moment, the wings just suddenly. And uh, anyway, so we prayed, continued praying. All I'm seeing, I'm just saying, God, I'm stepping out. I don't care what people say. My job is to step out. Your job is the miracle. My job is to step out. Your job is the miracle, God. So I'm, ste- I'm just going to step out. So we would pick him up. And then we try to walk, nothing. I would touch his feet, anything, nothing. And halfway through, maybe before that, suddenly his hands started to, he could close his hands. So I'm like, I'm telling everybody, his hands can close. Come on, get some faith in this place. His hands can close for the first time in nine months. And then we continue praying. And we're saying, I'm just feeling fire, fire, fire. And we just felt that God is doing something in his in his back. He's, God is like supernaturally healing his back. In the end, we did about five, six times stepping out, stepping out. And uh, he didn't walk. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, I could see he's going to walk. And then two days later, they, they contacted us and said, he can now suddenly, he can feel his stomach, his legs, and his feet. He is feeling, his feeling is returning. He's going to walk in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's give Jesus a hand. Amen. And so I realized Jesus is alive. Jesus is still healing. I mean, we saw amazing, amazing things as God were touching hearts and bodies and and, and people's beings and relationships. God was doing incredible things. But I realized faith is the key. Faith is the key. We need to have faith. Faith is to know that God's going to do it. Not just to know that he can. Faith is to know that God is going to. It's an expectation that God's going to do it right now. 
And so we need to trust God for a community, a community of faith, to create an environment where all things become possible. All things become possible. You see, Jesus is alive. The tomb is empty. Every time someone gets healed in the name of Jesus, it is proof, it is evidence that Jesus is alive and that he forgives sin. It was an amazing time with the apostle, the leader of the church family, Apostle Ari. He is not a very emotional man, his son says. And uh, about 65 or so, I guess. And uh, when the day we left, he was so touched, he was so moved that he couldn't speak. And he just wanted to cry. And uh, on that Sunday, after we left, they, one of the guys contacted me and said that he said in the church that we have received angels from heaven. It was just amazing things that God was doing. And so they were so blessed with us. And so blessed with all the things that God was doing because we were experiencing. Anyway, I'll share some of the things in the next few weeks. I won't tell all the stories now. But um, on the last morning, he, he put me on video Skype with a, a pastor in the north of Brazil. Because at the beginning of the week, I felt God saying to me, I'm going to open massive doors to you in Brazil. Massive doors. On the last morning... I was put on video Skype with this pastor as a pastor of a church of 8,000 people in the north. And the pastor had a dream. I think it was the previous night. I don't know. But he had a dream. God spoke to him. And they said, we must come. So they want us to come and minister to a church of 8,000 people. So we might go middle of this year. Hallelujah. God is good. He speaks. And then he performs his word. All things are possible. Amen. All things are possible for our God. All things are possible. But sometimes we need to step out. The miracles is in God's hands, but we need to step out. We need to step out. We need to step out and say, God, I believe. My physical senses says nothing's happening. But my spirit is saying, God, you are always working. There are amazing things happening right now. Amen. Let's say it. There are amazing things happening right now. Amen. It's time to walk by faith. So I want to read James 1. So we're going to look a little bit at faith and specifically the manifestation, one of the best ways of determining if you have faith or not and how we can turn that, how we can change that. Faith. James 1, 2 to 4. Oh, before I share, just this one, it's just amazing. The one, um, prayed for a lady. She, uh, she had lupus. Ten years, from ten years, for the last ten years, she had lupus. Lupus is an autoimmune disease that attacks the body. It attacks the good parts of your body. So in her case, it attacked her eyes. So for the last ten years, she could only see a blur. A blur. I love praying for people with eye problems. Because you know. <laughs> If they see it's real or not, you can't fake. So I'm praying for this lady and she's crying profusely. I mean, because she can only see a blur. Prayed for her, I think, about three times. Power of God touching her, touching her. Third time I prayed, she could almost see perfectly. Isn't that beautiful? Amen. (laughs) Praise God. Give someone a high five. We do this in our team. Jesus is alive. The blind still see. The deaf still hear. The lame will walk. Amen. Imagine, imagine we create an environment in this church where people in wheelchairs come here and they walk out without their wheelchairs. Why not? Why not? For me, that's revival. Part of revival. It's just Jesus is just so present that it's undeniable. Don't have to argue. Don't have to get academic about it. Only Jesus makes the lame walk. Amen. But the challenge is for every one of us. This is why this fast is so significant. About a hundred of us are, are fasting. This fast is so significant because it's about us saying, God, I'm going to step out of my comfort zone. God, is, God I'm, going to, I'm going to move out of my, my comfort. Our, our biggest challenge is our comfort. 
It's our biggest challenge. You see, Christianity flourishes under persecution. Christianity flourishes under tribulation. That's why the poor Romans didn't know what to do with these people. We kill them, we kill them, and they just get more. Because we flourish. Christianity flourishes under tribulation. And so if life is too comfortable, sometimes we need to fast to get uncomfortable. So that we can get rid of the distractions and get focused on God. And this is where troubles come in as well. James 1 Verse 2 to 4. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind, say any kind, come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. <laughs> Are you crazy? Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Joy. Why? For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So tribulations, challenges, it does something to us. Three things that I've put on the screen. It brings us closer to Jesus because it, uh, it helps us to focus. It makes us desperate. I have found that my biggest breakthroughs in life has come through challenges because I become desperate for God. You see, but there's always this, this, this crossroads. You have to decide. Am I going to be offended and bitter and turn away from God or am I going to use this as a catalyst? Yes, it's painful. You see... You might have cancer in your body, but I tell you, the other side of cancer, Jesus is waiting for you. In this life or the next. Whatever challenge, it's how we look at it. We must get this mindset. Rejoice at challenges because it brings us closer to Jesus if we allow it to. Secondly, troubles tend to help us get out of our comfort zone. So it's a comfort shaker. Shakes us. I feel so uncomfortable. Some of the things we're having to eat in this fast. And then thirdly, it's a character maker. It's the the cry of the heart of John the Baptist saying, God, less of me. I must decrease so that he might increase. Walking in the power of God, walking in the supernatural does not mean we will not have challenges. It just means that we will overcome them. And as we overcome them, God will use it to bless and set others free as well. So rejoice. Because it will make us, it says in that verse, it will make us, you will be perfect and complete. It's a character maker. It's a paradigm shift. So I want to unfortunately say to you, this year we'll have challenges. But it could be the biggest blessing of your life if you handle it right. If you choose to say, praise God for this challenge, I'm going to pursue him more now in Jesus' name. Amen. Rejoice. Rejoice. And real faith is faith that isn't shaken by challenges. I want to read this Luke chapter 6, 47 to 49. It says, whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them. So Jesus is saying, if you come to me, if you hear my sayings and you do them, then there will be no problems in your life. No. He says, I will show you whom he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, oh, Jesus, no, 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 no. You got it wrong here. You said, if I come to you, if I hear your sayings, and if I do them, surely everything will be fine. No, he says, and when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. Say, could not shake it. Could not shake it, because it was founded on the rock. The rock, founded on the rock. 
I'm not going to be moved by natural problems and challenges. I am moved by God's word. I am moved by God's love. I'm moved by God's faithfulness. But it says, but he who heard and did nothing. In other words, those who hear the word and did nothing. It's like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. So challenges comes to both believers and non-believers, or even Christians who hear the word but don't do it. Christians who hear the word and do it. Only difference is you will not be shaken. So I want to declare to you today, this year you will not be shaken. Amen. You will not be shaken. Let's say, I will not be shaken. For I am founded upon the rock. Amen. We are not moved by the economy. We are not moved by the rand that's going to hell. Okay. It's going to turn. It's going to turn. <laughs> we, are not, we are not moved by external things because we are moved. We found it upon the rock which is anchored in heaven and our God is not moved. It's not like, oh, the rand's gone past 16 rand a dollar. Oh, I'm off my throne. It's a crisis. God is not moved. But so often we are shaken by what people are saying. Don't be shaken by what people are saying. Be founded on the rock. Be unshakable. Unshakable faith. Unshakable faith. Moved by what we see in the spirit. Not moved by what we see with our physical eyes. And Jesus said, I will build my church on the rock. I will build my church on the rock. Nothing can shake the church of Jesus Christ. But God is sitting in heaven and he's listening. He's listening. Listening to your words. The words you speak. He's listening. Not just to prayers. He's listening to that as well. But he's listening to the meditation of our hearts and the words that we speak. What is God hearing? What is he hearing? What's coming forth from your mouth? Is he hearing faith? Or is he hearing unbelief? And that's defining. Faith in the end manifests in our mouths. What are the words that you are speaking? Are you saying over yourself, I am Nobody, I am unable, I'm not going to make this year. What, what are the words that you're saying? What are you speaking over this country? What are you speaking over your business, your family? What, what, what are the words? God is listening and he's, he's, he's wanting to move. But he's wanting to hear faith. What is he hearing? What is he hearing? You see, faith gives us eyes to see beyond this realm. And if we have faith, then we can bring heaven to earth. We can bring the power of God to the earth. We can bring the provision of God to the earth. What is real faith? Real faith is to believe that God is your provider even when you are battling financially. Because his word says it. Real faith is say, I believe God, you are a healer even when your own body is ridden with disease and sickness. I believe. I believe. Let's say it. I believe. I believe. That's the challenge. If you want breakthrough, if you want the power of God to manifest in your midst, then you need to. You need to believe. Faith is to be more aware of heaven's realities than earthly challenges. Faith is to be more aware of heaven's realities than earthly challenges. Because the earthly challenges wants to shake our faith. The earthly challenges wants us to look away from God. But we mustn't. Real faith is give us eyes to see beyond this realm into the unshakable, immovable realm of heaven where our God reigns. And at any moment, things can change. At any moment, there can be a breakthrough. At any moment. But the challenge is what is in our mouths? What is in our mouths? What does faith look like? It manifests in our actions, but it also manifests in our speech. So you have faith's confession on the one hand, and the other you have unbelief's complaining. And it reveals to us what's going on in the heart. You know that, probably know the story well. 
But the Israelites were in Egypt. Moses came and he led them out to the promised land. God said, I'm going to give you the promised land. God has given his word. I'm going to give you the promised land. It does amazing wonders, signs and miracles, incredible things. And then when they come to the promised land, they send out the 12 spies, leaders from the different tribes. They come back. Ten of them bring a negative report. They complain. They give a negative report. They say, it's not going to work. The cities are too big. The enemy's too strong. Uh, we can't do it. And it infects the rest of the community. You can call it the church community. Gets infected. And the result is catastrophic. Absolutely catastrophic. So look at this. Numbers 13, verse 32. Guys were different. It says, then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said... Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Caleb quieted the people. If you have nothing good to say, don't say it. Rather be quiet. So Caleb, man of faith, says, guys, guys, please, please, please be quiet, 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 quiet. Don't, don't, don't speak unbelief. Don't speak. Don't, don't complain. Don't complain. We are well able. So he brings a confession of faith. We are, doesn't look good. But because of God's word, he's going to give us the promised land. Because of his faithfulness and his ability, we are well able. Woohoo! Well able. Amen. Let's say it. We are well able. Now, in his case, when he, when he said it, suddenly they tried to stone them. Which makes a lot of sense. If you think about it. Human nature. If you meet a random stranger somewhere. When does that conversation flourish? Let's complain. Let's complain about the country. Let's complain about government. Let's complain about this or that. And whoo, having a lovely conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Try and be positive. Other person is going to look at you. What's wrong with you? You weird. How can you be positive? How can you be positive about the economy? How can you be positive about this country? How can you be positive? Now, because I believe in God, who's good and faithful and able to turn anything to good. Amen. But human nature wants to complain. Okay, who complained during the last holiday about something? Confess. I'm wanting to highlight this because we have no idea the power of complaining, the power of our words. Our words can bring life or it can bring death. Our words can infect our own hearts negatively and others as well. But then God's, let's look at God's take on complaining. Numbers 14, 11. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people reject me? Wow. They never said they're rejecting God. They never said they're going to walk away from God. They mostly complained about the leaders. How long will these people reject me? How long will they not believe me? With all the signs which I have performed among them. Amazing. So the words of our mouths reveal the state of our hearts. The words of our mouths reveal if we have faith or not. Someone said... A while ago, it's just amazing how you are always positive and always have faith and always able to see things in a good light. And I thought about a thing that the only reason is because I go to the Lord in prayer and I go wrestle until my attitude changes, until my eyesight changes, until I have faith. If I have no faith, I am dead. It's game over. If you have no faith, for this year, or for your work scenario, or your challenges, you're in trouble because you're going to go through it on your own without God. Unfortunately, faith connects us with God. Unbelief disconnects us. And so the Lord says, how long will these people reject me? And how long will they not believe me? After all these signs, so a few things, to complain. And it's important to understand this. To complain is to reject God. Why? If you're a Christian and you believe you're in the will of God and you're complaining, it's like you're saying, God, I don't like what you're doing in my life. 
I don't, I don't like what you're doing. I don't, I, don't, I don't like this. In a sense, you're rejecting God's leadership, complaining. To complain is to not believe God. Because why? why? Why is that so? Because when we complain about a situation, it is as if we're saying, I'm complaining because I can't see how God can change this. It's a manifestation of unbelief. I'm complaining because God isn't able to turn this. Is he? He is able. For with God, all things are possible. But it begins with faith. It begins with faith. Whatever challenge you're facing, whether your marriage, whether your finances, whether your work scenario, whether your relationship with your boss, whatever it might be, faith begins in your mouth. Even if your heart isn't in it yet, it begins by saying, I am, we are able to do this. The economy, I don't care what the economy does, this business will prosper in Jesus' name because my God is the provider. Amen. Don't allow other neg- negatives to define who you are and what God can do in your life. Is He God or is He not? Is He powerful or is He not? If He can heal the sick, if He can save the lost, if He can deliver people from demonic oppression, He can provide. Amen. He can turn any heart. Amen. Let's say it. My God can. Amen. So the next time you complain about anything, know it's a manifestation of unbelief and of not trusting in God. I've shared this before. Thanksgiving gives us eyes to see the goodness of God. Complaining gives us eyes to only see the bad. It's like you become a donkey with his... All you see is the bad. Complaining magnifies the problems. It makes it bigger. It's all that you can see. I've met people like this. This is terrible. All that they're seeing is the bad. But there's so much good. What's wrong with you? The heart has become corrupt. The heart has become defiled. And we need to... There's this point you have to admit it. My heart is fraught. My heart is rotten. You actually have to, that's the way you turn it. You have to say it. My heart's not in a good space. I'm always complaining about my work. I'm always complaining about not having enough. I'm always complaining about this or about that. It, it speaks about the heart. And then Numbers 14, 27 It says, how long shall I bear with this evil congregation? This is what God says. Who complain against me? Okay, now I'm not saying this is an evil congregation. So relax. I'm just wanting to reveal to you. See, God's ways are not our ways. He sees things differently. Things that are normal for us as people is not normal for God. He doesn't relate to complaining. He doesn't relate to unbelief. He says, how long shall I bear with this evil congregation who complain against me? I have heard the complaints which the children of Israel make against me. I have heard. So God is listening. He's hearing. Complaining is evil. Let's say it. Complaining is evil. Because it says an evil congregation. So complaining is evil. Why is it evil? Because it releases. You see, faith brings freedom. Unbelief is like a cancer that, that kills. I've seen this so many times. One person gets negative, complaining about something, say in a church environment. The others were fine until this one says, did it, did it, did it. Yeah, I never saw it like that. Huh? They get negative and then disconnect from church or walk away. Or maybe you're in a work scenario and one of your colleagues comes to you and says, the boss is a blooming idiot. And you thought he wasn't that bad. Week later, blooming idiot. <laughs> Defiles the work environment. Negative, negative work environment. It's no, that's no, you want to work in such an environment. You see, when we are filled with unbelief and complaining, we cannot change an environment. When we are filled with faith, we are able to change the atmosphere. We are able to change the environment. Amen. That's the power of faith. Faith is rare. Let me tell that to you now. Faith is rare. 
Real faith is rare in the body of Christ. We are the body, why the body of Christ is sick with unbelief. It's time for us to arise. Let's expose the negativity, complaining, fault finding, and get it out of our lives, out of our mouths, and out of our hearts. Amen. Amen. Give me a good amen. Amen. Yes. Okay, come on. So complaining reveals a sick heart. It's an early warning sign that your heart isn't in a good space. I've sometimes found myself, I would say something to Sonic about someone else, and I realize, oh, that's not a good sign. There's something bad in my heart. So the hearing of faith, Galatians 3 verse 5, Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law? By the hearing of faith. So God is saying, the word of God that says here, is God doing, is he, is he releasing the spirit of God over you and doing all these miracles in your midst because of all your hard works? Or because of the hearing of faith? And the answer is the hearing of faith. When God hears faith, he moves. When he hears faith being spoken from hearts filled with faith, then he moves. Then he starts doing miraculous things in our midst. And I felt this week the Lord say to me, watch your mouth. So I want to say to you, watch your mouth. Watch your heart. What's coming out? What's coming out? What's coming out? What's coming out? Because it would reveal what's on the inside as well. Psalm nineteen fourteen, It says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Isn't that a beautiful prayer? God, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. You see, our words carry creative power. In the name of Jesus, we can cause the lame to walk. In the name of Jesus, cancers go. In the name of Jesus, the kingdom comes. But our words can also bring death and destruction. You're a fool. You're an idiot. It brings death and destruction. And when there's a mixture in our mouths, then we don't qualify for the fullness of God's power. So I believe God is speaking to me saying, if you want to walk in the fullness of my power, your mouth and your heart must be pure. A place prepared so I can trust you. Can God trust us? He said, if you speak to this mountain, it will move. Real faith moves mountains. It causes things to change. But what if we can't be trusted? What if we would in a moment of anger tell our wives, I hate you? If we do that by the anointing of God, we will destroy. So we must purify our mouths. Amen. Trustworthy. Trustworthy. People of faith so that God can move powerfully. Last scripture. So let's highlight the previous one. So the two things, the words of our mouths, the meditation of our heart, what are we thinking upon, what are we meditating on? And that's why I wrote this book. I believe it's a discipleship tool to help us meditate on the truth. This is all about shifting our beliefs. So you see, every day it gives you a, a, a truth aspect of meditating on what the scripture says. Then there's a practically speaking part, then a declarations part where you can declare Put the word in your mouth. Choose to speak the truth, even if it doesn't feel like it's you yet. Say it. I'm powerful in God. Well, say, 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 that, say these words. Start speaking it over your life. Allow it to renew your beliefs and then begin to step out. We saw amazing things happen through the team now in Rio. Ordinary Christians who choose to believe that when I pray for the sick, they're going to be healed. It's the same for you, for me, for each one of us. It's by faith. So, yeah, last verse, Luke 6, verse 45. It says, a good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. See, that reveals it. 
The words you speak reveals what's in your heart. Like a, a teenager that continuously complains, I'm bored, I'm bored, I'm bored, I'm bored. <sighs> Nothing's ever good enough. It reveals what's in the heart. It reveals that something is not right in the heart. Most teenagers really, really, really need Jesus. <laughs> that was a joke. We all need Jesus. But so sick hearts, this reveals that what we speak reveals what's in the heart. So if you and I speak bitter words, it means there's a bitter heart. If we speak racist words, it speaks of a hate-filled heart, an offended heart. If there's cussing going forth, it speaks of a filthy heart. If there are angry words going forth, it speaks of an angry or offended heart. Go back to the root. Deal with the root, and you'll see why is this coming out. I remember after becoming a Christian, I, was, I, I, I swore a lot before becoming a Christian, and then I think it was about a, a month or two after becoming a Christian, I, was, I played hockey for, the, for our hostel at university, and so I would normally get into fights, verbal fights, with people. I'd, be, I'd just be all over people on the, on the hockey court, and then I'd really work them up. Anyway, so I was now a month or two a born-again Christian, I had this hockey match, and it was intense and wild. Man, and I let it rip. <laughs> I let it rip quite a few times. And so on Friday evenings, we had our prayer meetings in Stellenbosch. And so I was there at the prayer meeting, and I sat in the corner. <laughs> I'm such a bad Christian. I was so condemned. I felt so bad. But it revealed that under pressure, certain things came out, and it revealed that things aren't all in order in my heart. What comes out when you, when you hit your thumb with a hammer? What comes out when you hit your toe somewhere? What comes out when the car in front of you cuts you off? Or a taxi? What comes out? Because it reveals what's on the inside. I've shared this before, but I, 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 I found I was truly, truly saved. In my second year at university, I was driving my, car, my dad's car at 130 kilometers per hour, four by four. I rolled it on the N1 near Tiger Valley, Cape Town, three times. It was wild. Survived it, praise God. We were on our way to missions, had a generator in the back. I rolled Three times, survived it. And I remember when I got out there, I realized I am saved. Because when the car turned 90 degrees and it went like that, it's like a forever. I promise you, it feels like five hours in the air. I didn't swear. I was like, oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so I got out and after I was like, I'm saved. I'm a Christian. <laughs> Finally. It took me about a year. <laughs> but it's good to see what comes out under pressure. What happens when we're under pressure? Reveals what's on the inside. And the stream, if, if our words were like a stream, it must be pure. Not fresh water and salt water. Only fresh water, living waters, bringing life to others. Amen. God wants to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can imagine. It's going to take a humble people. A humble people. To say, God, forgive me, I was wrong. And it's going to take a hungry people. God, I want you, I will die. I'm desperate for more of you. If we can become a church like that, East London will never be the same again. Because I am in. Ask my wife, I'm in. <laughs> I'm on a mission <clears throat> for Jesus. I just want to end off with a story. There's a guy called Nabil Qureshi. He wrote a book called Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. Beautiful book. If you can get it, it won awards. It's amazing. Nabil Qureshi, 
a book called Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. It's about a young American Muslim guy who grew up very, very devoted, very devoted. He was an evangelist for Islam. So he would continue, and he's very academic, very bright. So he would be top of his class at university, and he would win the prizes at the university. He was brilliant. But he was, he was, he, some of his friends were Christians, and they would, they would, they would argue, they would debate. They would debate. And, and in Islam, they believe that Jesus is not the Son of God. In Islam, they believe that Jesus didn't die on the cross and he wasn't resurrected from the grave. It's actually amazing. There's two things that the Quran says, which is beautiful or revealing to me how profound it is for us. The Quran says, Jesus is not the Son of God, which says to me that's very important. He is (laughs) the Son of God. Secondly, the Quran says, Our God is not a loving Father. How is that for amazing? And He is. He is a loving Father. He loves us more than we can imagine. It's at the heart, at the core of our faith. And so in this book, it tells the story. You see, you must read it just to get a feel for for people from that that life, from, from, from that background, cultural background. The families are very close, very intimate. If you turn to Christ, they reject you. In some, they would kill you. And so this young man would struggle with these things, and then he would go and he would f- seek this, the, 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 the facts about Jesus. Because the Muslims believe Jesus never, they believe Jesus is a prophet. So they say Jesus never said that he's the Son of God. And then he actually found the scriptures in the Gospels that say that Jesus said, I am the Son of God. That's why they crucified him. They asked him, Are you the Son of God? And he said, I am. Blasphemy. Crucify him. It's at the heart of the faith. He is the Son of God. And then he went to study further and he found that all the evidence, historical evidence, points to Jesus dying on that cross, not being taken off before he died. And then he says, and all the historical evidence points to him being truly, truly resurrected because eyewitness accounts. And then he said, no, but the Bible's been changed. And then he went and he studied that and he found, no, the Bible has not been changed over the last 2,000 years. They have manuscripts for dating 380, 280. They compare it to today's Bible. It's the same. And so he's wrestling and wrestling and wrestling. Should he now? So he prayed and he said, God, give me dreams. I need signs. And God started to give him signs, dreams. And then after a long while, he actually then turned to Christ and he told his parents. And it absolutely slaughtered his family. In the sense that his mom was, I mean, his dad took his mom to, to hospital almost. They walked across the road, go to this, go to the hospital. You know, it, it, was, it, was, it was like a death, worse than a death in the family. And the next morning... Nabil was on his knees crying out to God, and he was crying, saying, God, why? Why do I have to do this to my family? Why is this happening? Why are you allowing this to destroy everything that's so dear to me? Why, Jesus, why? And he says the next moment, like a megaphone voice of God next to him saying, because it's not about you. And he says he fell back on the ground, and for 10 minutes the presence of God washed over him, and he got up without any sorrow. And he walked out the door, and he wondered, do they know Jesus? And he started to evangelize. And he's now part of the Revi Zacharias' ministry, going from campus to campus across the world, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, because he found that it is true. He found that Islam is not. It's a beautiful book. I gave away the punchline. But, uh, but it's so powerful. Because it's not about you. You see, there needs to be a shift in our walk with God. If we think that we are the center of everything, and it's all about God pleasing us, making us happy, then we're going to miss it. But if we believe that it's all about Him, and if He calls us to lay down our lives for Him, so be it. 
So be it. I mean, we had this experience now in Rio the last night, Thursday night. We're driving back, hour and a half drive back. And I was thinking about my trip to Argentina. On the last day, they stole my passport and everything. So I was in the car driving back now. Last night, I was thinking, okay, now focus. Tomorrow, focus. Last day, you know what happened last time? Focus. Focus. So I get home around half past one. We get out of the car. The place where Sonic and I was staying, the pastor's son took us there. Another girl got out of the car. There were lots of gifts and things. We hugged him back. And scorn of my eyes, saw a car stop. Next moment, a guy with a gun. I'm like, huh? I mean, we had the most incredible week of ministry we've ever experienced. We've seen miracles, amazing things. And I saw the pastor's hands go up. So our hands went up. And I took our stuff, stole the car, stole the guitar in the car. That's 50,000 rand guitar of the pastor's son. Stole my tablet for the second time this last year. Hoo-hoo. But I had so much peace. I was like, ah, so I upset you, devil. This is an affirmation for a week well done. But I realized we shouldn't even fear death. We are called to do a work for God. I have been called to do a work for God. I know that the Lord, the, 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 the message that God is giving me and still giving me, I believe this is for the nations, for the wider body of Christ. But we need to get out of our selfish, consumeristic, me and myself Christianity to Jesus, whatever you want. I am yours because it's not about me. I'll get blessed in the process, yes, but it's not about me. God wants to set us free completely. So let's make this shift. It's true. Jesus is risen. It's true. He died on the cross for our sins. It is true that he's still alive today, healing and delivering and saving people. Let's live as if that's true. Amen.